racist Cause on the 9th of June 1862 On a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's And she was heavy laden The way we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode number 22, the best podcast in coming home Newcastle history. I'm joined here with a man who goes to sleep and goes to steak dinners wearing Miguel Amaron pajamas, Elijah Newsom. That's that's true. Um, all of that's true. Especially yeah. the part about steak. Yes, yeah. He has been spotted with dinners with Miggy... PJs and it's just the face of him smiling. Yeah, no, I I seriously do love Miguel Almiron, like regardless of where he goes. And I think Matt Love has just been proven to the to the fans of Newcastle as like any tweet I saw about Perez on Saturday, which there were plenty because he was <laughs> terrible. Um, I just responded with a different Almiron gifs. <laughs> that was just all I did. I was just like, oh. You want someone who can create chances like this guy. And people and people were eating it up. They loved it. Well, and if you didn't see those tweets, Elijah, where should they see those? Oh, you can follow us at Coming Home NUFC. Oh, um, yeah, you can. Apparently, we're also the hottest site now for any potential uh, selling rumors involving a certain club where Greg is currently living. Yeah, that would be know. Atlanta, Georgia. That's, that's what people are saying. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that. The people are saying that. I just want to make that clear. The people are saying that. Not our mi- We give you what the people want. Yeah, it's what the people want. Yeah, so you're welcome again. But let's get into it because we have a lot to talk about today. We have a match that we don't want to talk a lot about. Yeah. And then a match that we have to preview. And we're definitely in the news the last few days. Yeah. So let's start on some news. The FA Cup. We're drawn out. With, it's Alan Shearer Derby. We're home <laughs> against Blackburn Rovers. Yeah. Um, or we can call it the Adam Armstrong Derby. That, I about to say, <laughs> Adam Armstrong Derby right there. Yeah. Yeah, so we're in the FA Cup third round draw was today, and we are home against Blackburn. Um, they're sitting ten, in 10th place in the championship. Uh, so actually, uh, it was – well, I guess the last time was, yeah, 2011, 2012, I have it here, was a uh, last FA Cup appearance. We beat Blackburn 2-1 to one in the FA Cup third round, actually. So it will be Saturday, January 5th of the new year. Um, and it's the ninth time that Newcastle and Blackburn have been in the FA Cup. And we've won six of those nine. I hope we lose, honestly. No, What? Dude, no. I, I don't we don't have the depth to be playing cup matches and league matches. Yeah, we do. No, we don't. Sean I mean, Longstaff. Remember Free that women. happened? Elijah Elias Sorensen. Jamie Sterry. Come okay. on. Oh yeah, sure. If you want to believe that. I'm just saying last year we lost in the FA Cup and then we went on to win like seventy billion straight in at the end of January. <laughs> so I'm just saying I like I'd like to say history repeats itself. Until, like, you know, we have, like, depth. And I'm like, okay, well, I feel completely fine playing 
you know, our backup left back. Oh, wait, we don't even have a backup left back. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, when Jamie Sterry gets better, he will be the backup left back. Sure. You can even I, play Lazar in this match. I, I I think if Lazar is barely struggling at the U23s, like, I, there's been so much hope for Lazar, and it's been like, Roth has literally done everything but play Lazar. Yeah. Like, when, if, when, if it's getting to the point where you play your right mid at left back, that, that's how you know that, like, there's no faith in Lazar. No. It's just, like, no. none. He did start, or, yeah, he, he played against uh, – he played for the U23s. He started um, against Leeds. When was that? That was last last Friday, the 30th. And Newcastle won 2-0. Um, Lazar was effective enough. I mean, he got the clean sheet, but he wasn't jumping out of the – the stat books by any means. I mean, yeah, you just started. <laughs> so, but I mean, you could play him in this game. Why not? Yeah. He'd have, something, he'd have something to prove. I mean, if you just want to talk about death, we have, we have options and I'm not saying we should try to go for it. Why no, not? Saying- Why not go for it? But like beat Blackburn at home. I think we should play our, our options just to see if they're actually options. Yeah. Like if if Sorensen does well against Blackburn, then yeah, give him some games. If if Lazar yeah, just, just hold off. Well, I don't know if you really can because that's January fifth, right? So yeah, if you're gonna try to hold off as many loan offers as you can already in the first five days, and then try to play him once. But I mean, yeah, that I mean, you could have Woodman, Longstaff, and Sorensen all gone by then. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. But yeah, hey, speaking of uh, backups, new article on left backs coming soon. Just throwing that one out there for the people. And where are they going to find that article? Oh, comminghomenewcastle.com uh, or comminghomenewcastle.sbnation.com. Oh, yeah. Will work. But yeah, it'll be up there sometime tomorrow morning. So read it. And I think people are going to like what they read. Yeah. I did something nice with the title. So just throwing that out there. I, I'm I'm ready for it. I okay. need more of it. All right. Next thing, uh, I guess going into backups, Sean Longstaff, congratulations. Round of yeah. applause to my man, Sean Longstaff. He got a new contract from the club today, and that is very, very heartwarming for me because I wanted to see that, and we knew his uh, his extension or his contract was running up. It had been six months, so he was free to negotiate with anybody once January hits. So Lobby gets his extension. He's 21 years old still, um, and now his uh, deal will run into 2022. So he's been so far. He's been to Kilmarnock, Blackpool in the last two seasons. He played his first league match against Nottingham Forest back in August. That was his first um, first team appearance. So really, like getting to the point where he's on the cusp, I would say, of being getting a real shot. I do think he's going to go on loan. I think I'm hoping it's a championship club or, or like say like the, I don't think Newcastle would do this, but I'd love to see him in like the Dutch first division, the year to say, or like, I don't know, just maybe the bottom of Bundesliga or league one league uh, or something like that. Like I'd, I'd like to see him in a, in a, a top tier uh, uh, just a reputable league. If he goes to Scotland, it's like, okay, he's, he's done that. He's done well. Like, what's, what are you trying to prove here? 
So I'd, yeah. I'd like to see him get on a good loan. But that's wouldn't be surprised to see him go to uh, Syria as well as a lower league side in Syria. Newcastle sent players there. Yep. And uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him go to uh, Aaron and Lazar both went there. Yeah. So hey, it especially I think I think those lower league Syria teams are going to be more inclined to take on Longstaff's contract versus Lazar. Yeah, for sure. Who's making like what thirty five k a week or something ridiculous? Or oh, that's Saive. Someone's someone's making a ridiculous amount of money. Everyone, pretty yeah. I was going to say pretty much everyone. Um, okay, so next thing is we had an article, and actually, uh, it's from Mirza who writes on our site, and I want you to talk about this, Elijah. It's 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 an analysis how a player like Almiron could fix Newcastle's attack. Uh, Mercer wrote this one up. I, I just wanted to hear your insight on it. Um, I know you're a big fan of the article, and you happen to love Miguel Almiron. So, floor is yours. Yeah, so, I mean, Mercer is a guy who doesn't typically watch, actually, really a lot of MLS, or, for that reason, a lot of Atlanta United. So, um, <laughs> so I think that... Uh, Everything he says is spot on. He talks about how Newcastle are kind of lacking a guy to play final balls in and the wings are struggling because there's no development from the middle of the pitch, especially from that number 10 role. And I think we all know why. Um, and he's basically saying that Almiron has that ability to at least go out and be ambitious enough to play those final balls, um, which that's something that we're not seeing from Perez. We don't see a lot of ambition from Perez in order to try some of these balls. And I think that... One of the big things, you know, Greg and I harp on Perez about all the time is his chances created. And part of the reason his chances created is so low because he doesn't do anything with the ball. Um, and so um, Mirza talks about how Almiron's dynamic on the ball and he's going to try to make those chances, try to make those passes, even if it doesn't work out. And, I, and you know, I agree with it. I agree with it 100%. And, and we'll get into this a little bit more later. You're also, you know, getting a guy who is a proven goal scorer. He does score goals um, regardless of the competition. And Almer and sorry, and Mirza does mention, you know, MLS defenders, and I'll be the first to say this, are notoriously bad. And that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but they are notoriously bad, and obviously all of Almeron's ridiculous balls won't work um in the Premier League, but he's at least gonna try and he's gonna work his ass off in order to uh in order to, you know, make some opportunities for you. So I don't know. It's a good read. I would definitely read it. Um and he talks about just you know, a lot of the great qualities of Almiron and uh, basically looking at his ability to split the defense. So, um, yeah, check it out. At comminghomenewcastle.com. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, really good, really good article and kind of just breaks that, breaks it all down for us. And especially if you haven't seen him play, go to YouTube. Um, and now you can claim you've seen him play and then read the article along with your YouTube watching. And there's even YouTube videos in the article. So it's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. And, I mean, if you're not doing anything this Saturday, well, actually, I think the ML, it'll, uh, yeah, MLS Cup Final is going to be on way too late for our British audience, but well, our American audience. People stay up to watch the Super Bowl in England. Why not? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, we'll throw it out there. We'll tweet it out. <laughs> we'll make, We'll let the people know that it's – like 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, which is like midnight, past midnight in uh, England. But he will be playing this weekend for the, for the cup, the, the, highest, the highest amount of civil war you can get in American soccer. So 
Um, yep. He should be fun to watch. It'll be a home match, 70,000 fans, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You should definitely watch. He's fun to watch. The whole team's fun to watch. And it's going to be definitely less boring than whatever we just watched this past weekend. <laughs> yeah. And we're about to get to that. But the biggest set of news that happened all week, Elijah, I'm, I have some quotes. This is from our owner, Mike Ashley. And this is, to my knowledge, the first time he's ever admitted this. Mike like, Ashley. Oh, in, in public. Yeah, so. in public. Yeah, absolutely. He had said today that talks were, and I quote, at a more advanced stage than they have ever been to sell the club. He said that he would like to have a sale. And I'm, like, this is another quote, before the January transfer window. Like, he said those words. Which, and, just to remind everyone, that is in four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> That's not like six months away when, you know, most people would say something like this. No, that's in four weeks. Yeah. And he said, um, Sky News asked how realistic that was to have the club sold by the January uh, window. He said, it's possible. Realistic is maybe too strong a word. So that is very interesting. Uh, one, one more quote that I want to say, and then I want to hear your thoughts, Elijah. He said, I've, I'm very keen to sell it to the right buyer so everybody is happy. That would be good news. And the talks were not exclusive. Um, <laughs> I like how he just, that's just like a weird thing to say. That would be good news. Like, I, I mean, I guess. Yes, that'd be good. <laughs> it's like, all right, weird what, flex. What's your thoughts on these revelations that came out today? It was, I mean, I, I honestly missed part of it because I was eating and then I just saw it. I was like, whoa, what happened? Um, but, you know, Personally, you know, you want to believe this, but you have to always, you know, as a Newcastle fan and as someone who has dealt with our fair share of Mike Ashley, you have to realize you are dealing with Mike Ashley. Uh, He is the king of PR or, I mean, whether you consider him like a good king of PR or a bad king of PR is up for debate, but he's something, he's someone who knows how to use the media uh, to his advantage. And um, so this does feel like him, him doing that. Um, it's, I mean, we, I mean, and I guess the, the bright side is that like, this is the first time we're hearing of this. And I mean, as our site writer, Graham has pointed out to, to a lot of us, you know, in confidentiality or not really in com- just in conversation that, you know, you don't want to believe anything about the club being sold if you're hearing about it. Um, and so, you know, the fact that we really haven't heard, you know, about, this advanced stages of talks and in the past is a little bit, you know, it, it makes me feel a little bit better that, you know, maybe it's possible that he actually has a buyer because no one's been, you know, spinning, spilling the beads on rumors and such like that. And it seems like both sides want to keep it quiet. But then again, it is Mike Ashley. Him saying that you want to get this done within a month is a ridiculous statement to make and a timely statement to make considering the next home match, uh, there will be a boycott. And, um, and the, uh, and, you know, the January transfer window is coming up I mean, it's kind of convenient that he's saying, I want to, I want to sell the club. It kind of sets him up for, Hey, I'm not, I wasn't going to spend money in January because I was trying to sell the club and here we are in January. I didn't spend any money. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting, Greg. Yeah. And, and now, and you have to be careful. I, I, please tell everybody to be careful with taking things too seriously because there was no rumors of a takeover. And now every single journalist in England is writing about it. I mean, it's on the BBC, it's everything, 
So there's going to be a lot of people claiming that they heard this or they heard that. Take everything with a grain of salt from this point forward because, it. I mean, <laughs> now everybody's an expert all of a sudden. But it, there, there's been a lot of things that have popped out, uh, one of them being a, a potential owner, like somebody already knows who it is that's buying it. And me sitting in Atlanta right now, right down the road from me, is Mr. Arthur Blank, who owns Atlanta Falcons. He owns Atlanta United. And he basically founded Home Depot, which is one of the biggest companies in America. Yeah. And it's, we're, it's like if Sports Direct was a better company by every regards, you know, in any way possible, but also sold hardware stuff. Hardware. And, and didn't sell hardware. sports stuff at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, it's a hardware store. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why, I, you know, I, I'm so skeptical initially because I was like, okay, you, we never heard any of this. And then Mike actually announced it, and now all of a sudden you know who's the potential buyer. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, that just seems odd, like weird timing for me. But um, what are your thoughts if, if Arthur Blank, who owns an NFL team, an MLS team, a major corporation, do you think he would be a good owner for Newcastle? I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I think I, the, the big rumors is that he's heading up a consortium. Like it wouldn't be him – just buying the team outright. Um, I think I'd be more concerned if he was just buying the team outright uh, because I just don't know how you'd be able to invest in two teams on his own. Um, it, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, you know, a part of a consortium and people are using him as a way to get to the premier league. He's he, the, the club has already done business with, with the premier league. You know, they've done some loan deals with Tottenham players uh, Darren Eels used to be with Tottenham, and he still has a lot of connections over in Europe. Um, their coaching search even expanded to to Europe at, at one point in time as they're looking to replace Tata Martino. Um, but and, and and this is something that we've already seen in MLS. Like the City Group has a team in, in in MLS, and it's worked out well for them. They've been able to you know buy and sell in quotes uh, players from their own clubs and move them around. It's you know it's worked out well for them, but. I don't know. It just it it just seems like you're grasping for straws. And to be fair, the Chronicle were the first people to kind of really report on this. And they're kind of the only people that have stuck with it. I've talked to some of my people in the Atlanta media. They've heard literally nothing about this. Um, and to be fair, Arthur Blank is not the most – like the Falcons and Atlanta United and Arthur Blank are not the most uh, – how do I say this? Like open, I guess. It, not a lot of leaks come out of any of his companies. It was a big deal when – uh, one of our own sites, Dirty South Soccer, go give them a follow, uh, leaked a situation that happened within the, the Atlanta United locker room because, like, Arthur Blank teams don't leak things. Like, when firings happen, when um, hires happen, it's very under the radar. It's very much not a lot of people know about it. And so um, it makes sense that from their side, they're not hearing anything about Arthur Blank. Um, and it kind of makes sense from our side that there's someone floating stuff in the ear of the Chronicle about Arthur Blank because – I don't know. That's just the difference between, I, I don't know, Newcastle and Atlanta United and how Arthur Blake runs his organizations. And uh, I think there's definitely concern if he were to, you know, be a part of this club in terms of would his energy be completely focused on this club? That's arguable, um, especially since, like, even with – even if he – even if Newcastle won the Premier League, he would still make more money um, – owning his NFL team because of the revenue sharing that goes on in NFL. So it's, it's something interesting to, to, to keep, to keep in, to keep in mind. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, it, there's a couple ways to go about it. It's just, you know, you have, like, uh, one of the examples, I know we were talking about this beforehand, is the Glaziers over at Manchester United, and there's a lot of fan unrest with what they're doing. And they're in a similar situation where they own a major credit union. They own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the NFL and now Manchester United. They seem to be more involved with Manchester United than any of their other companies, but it's not going well. There's just a lot to do. So that would be my concern. It's like you're, you are the head of multiple organizations and you can't do that by yourself. And even the glaciers are different because it's a family. Um, but yeah, I would be feel much better if it's a consortium, but then even then like, where's the money coming from? Because, you know, he has a ton of money to go around, but it has to go around to all, the places that he owns. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely, I mean, if we could just sign on right now with a, with a Prince from Qatar, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, and, and I mean, <laughs> but, there's, there's a lot of money he's already got tied up too. I mean, yeah. You know, in addition to being the most, I mean, which this is good news. If you're a Newcastle fan, he's the most ambitious owner in the MLS. He's yeah, the sure. most already. He, and he started been, the trend. Yeah. He, yeah. He's only been there two years and he's, he broke the transfer record his second year and almost yeah. broke it his first year. So he, he's, he's already someone who spends a lot of money um, and is ambitious and willing to take a risk. But he's also already got a ton of money tied up in a brand-new stadium they just built. Um, he just ended up paying a franchise fee for the MLS team, um, which is in the hundreds of millions as well. It's just you, have to, you do have to ask, like, where would this money come from? Home Depot is doing great, but you can't just, like, take all the money you're making from Home Depot and pour it into – a club, which I think we've learned that well with Mike Ashley. It doesn't seem like he takes the money earned from Sports Direct if they make money and uh, and, and pours it into Newcastle. And, and, you know, I think any smart businessman would, would do the same. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. All right. Do you, have, do you have anything else that you want to mention about these revelations today? Um, I mean... Besides I, sell the club, Mike? Yeah, it's it's interesting, um, and you know, Merz and Graham are very, uh, very much don't believe it until you see it. I think Greg and I are the same way. Um, it does seem like this is the perfect publicity stunt to pull right before the window, especially as talks heat up with a player that's going to be expensive, and that's you know, rumored to and just rumored to be from a club with an owner that made by it just all of it seems very convenient for Mike Ashley and uh and so when something's this convenient it is it is very hard to believe and I think that's what made the Stavely rumors you know hold a little bit more weight is that they happened like after a transfer window it just didn't it just kind of popped up out of nowhere in the middle of a season and at that point we weren't even like in a relegation battle we we're just like mid-table and they kind of just popped up and it's like okay this kind of makes sense it's believable it's the middle of the season you could see someone trying to get this deal done as soon as they can. But this is something that, you know, is happening right before a transfer window where there's so much pressure on Mike Ashley to spend money that he may or may not have or, or make some sort of effort to invest in the club. And so it just it just seems way too convenient. And, you know, you always have to remember that in the back of your head is that, like, we're literally a month away from the tra- the winter transfer window, and this is a perfect cop-out for Mike Ashley to be like, well, I wasn't planning on spending money so um we're not going to buy anyone especially when rafa's got this four four person wish list and rafa apparently 
isn't in the loop current, according to himself. And he said this multiple times about the current sales of the club and the status of the club being sold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. And don't forget, Rafa, not Rafa, Mike Ashley, just, just a couple months ago, literally told everyone, I'm not selling the club So this season. So it's just, it's just a lot to, to, to take in. Yeah, it's all over the place, and it will be for a while. And, it, you know, we just need investment in January, and however that's going to happen, we, it, just, it just needs to happen for us. So. And yeah. let's get into why we need investment for January. 3-0 loss, unfortunately, to West Ham at home. And there's a lot to unbuckle with this, one being that we started Mankio, and we're sorry. <laughs> Oops. And that's on you. Yeah, that's on me. I said that we would be fine if we didn't start him, and we started him, and we lost. Yeah. But there's a but. He wasn't yeah, awful. There's a but. <laughs> he wasn't awful. <laughs> he wasn't the reason we lost. No, 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 no. You, can't, you can definitely – we can agree with that. And, and we appreciate Rafa for listening to the podcast and hearing us mention him. Um, but just like reach out to us and like, we'll tell you what we really meant. Like, hit us up. CHN radio and UFC at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll get into the formation. So I read that. So we went into the four, two, three, one. And I read that the reason why we went with my favorite formation, the five, two, three last week was because Burnley played with two strikers up top. West Ham definitely doesn't do that. So Rafa went back to the formation that he knows and loves, um, which is fine, but not with Mankio. That's what I thought initially. It, it didn't end up doing too bad. And he actually created the first chance of the match, which is nice. He almost had an assist to his name. Didn't work out that way. And this match was also important because there was a big protest going on. And that yeah. was the, the fans were in the lobby waiting for, until the 11th minute to walk down. And sure enough, the most insane thing happens. They wait 11 minutes for 11 years of Ashley, and we get scored on on the 11th minute. And these supporters that held out waited and waited and sung in in the concourse. The TVs got turned off, and they come down to West Ham supporters going nuts because they took a 1 0 lead. And I was, I was, like I was almost in disbelief. I was like, really, is this, this really how it's going to go down? Or is this how it's going to be today? And letting up an early goal is always deflating, but to do it like with the fan protests and all that, it just seemed like, wow, this is like too much of a, like too much of a coincidence, <laughs> but it was, it came down the left, the goal came down the left side. And then Elijah, I want you to talk about the goal and the protest. But the, it was on the left side of the field, and it was a wonderful ball. It was it was clipped into kind of by Hernandez, and he was unmarked, and he just poked it on past Abravka, uh for pretty easy one one zero start for West Ham. Your thoughts? I mean that that was going to be the story of the match. One, um, you can't write it like that. Uh, the eleventh minute thing, Sky Sports, and all the media, you know, wrongly covering the, the walk-in. Um, and then it happening at the 11th minute, um, which that's a whole other concern. Not a lot of people were involved. So you kind of saw the division 
uh, with between fans with the Magpie group, and um, it seems like maybe not maybe the best approach would have been to not insult people people if they didn't uh, if they weren't going to participate in an eleven minute protest because that would just piss them off. And instead, maybe you should have just like you know been encouraging or something else because like there was a lot of just like hey, you're not a real fan unless you do this protest, and people are like. You're not the one paying for these tickets, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So um, anyway, that's a whole other story. But, but the goal, that was the story of the match. It was a story all match. Um, West Ham had so many opportunities getting the ball in. These, these long switches that were just these nice early through balls that were just played so perfectly right behind our defense. And, I mean, they could have won easily 6-0. I mean, there were so many, you know, miscues with, you know, guys in the receiving ends of the passes. And you just kind of knew the goals were going to pour on because it was so easy for them to get these balls in behind our defense. And they, and especially on the counter, they were able to get numbers forward so quickly. And that's what happened there. I mean, they swooped up a loose ball and were able to get out on the break. And before you knew it, they scored. And yeah. so I mean, every goal was like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how it ended in the whole first half is one nothing. Um, and it was you could easily say that it was deserved and it could have been more. Um, we're, I mean, Newcastle were lethargic completely and we are, had no ideas in attack. It's like we completely reverted back to the first 10 games of the season and like Perez had a bunch of chances, but like he just couldn't do anything. Like once he got the chance, he just couldn't do anything like normal. Um, so we get into the second half and nothing changed. Like we had, a, we had some few chances, Kennedy and Richie just kept whipping corner like corners in and crosses and they they were doing their best from the wings and then Richie comes off like in the it was the 54th minute Richie comes off for Atsu which is just bizarre like why is Richie always coming off first we keep talking about that uh, I don't know maybe he's like injured that's what that's our that's our storyline he's just been injured this whole season doesn't want to tell anyone and that's why he doesn't play the full 90 anymore yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't get it. But it was not too long after that. Yeah, it was a mere, what, not like eight minutes after that sub, it, it became 2 nothing. It was Hernandez again. And it we gave up possession, which was what we talked about in the preview is West Ham is very good at, at stealing the ball and stealing possession from you. And that's one of their strengths. Um, but we also mentioned that our back four is pretty good, but not today. Um, so we conceded possession deep in, in their own half, and Hernandez is like gets a ball played right into the penalty box, and he slots it past Dubrovka, like and into the net. It's like it's just a quick bang bang play, and it was over. Like we're, all of a sudden, like we're not coming back from two zero down. I, I knew it then, especially with how slow that we were playing. Uh, what's your thoughts on the build-up and, and what happened there? It it was just frustrating. And it was just, like I said, and that's the thing. The thing was that wasn't the first chance they had to score. There was like two or three chances that are not not if it's going to get on the end of. And you were, that was a guy you were like, he's got to score. He had like four or five chances. And speaking of chances, Jose Perez had three, three chances and missed them all, like not even on target. Well, actually, I think one was on target. One was straight at the keeper. And so it's like this was a game of, like, who's going to take advantage of all the chances they got? Because 
to be fair, Newcastle created some chances. They looked decent going forward, especially in the first half, but they were not able to convert on anything. I mean, people were missing shots left and right, and then, I mean, it just got worse and worse as the match went on as you sub in lower-quality players, and you kind of get what you deserve. You get lower-quality results. I mean, Atsu was god-awful. Uh, he looked like a guy who was on his redemption mission of like trying to prove that he still belonged and was just taking ridiculous shots. He looked yeah. bad. He was he just lo- was dispossessed all the time. Hostelu was doing Hostelu stuff. I don't even remember who else we brought in. Like it, oh Shelby was fine, but it's just he was that was a case of too little, too late. I mean, if your first shove should have been Shelby, it it shouldn't have been Shelby coming in at like what the seventieth minute or something. It was just it was it was just bad all around. Um, I mean and. Like, part of it, you, 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 there's a lot of blame to go around. I think, you know, the players all played pretty terribly. I think tactically we didn't adjust well. And then on top of that, I think you'll get into it, is, I mean, it is West Ham, and usually they, they don't do well with signings, but their big-name signings stepped up, and we don't have any of those. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And th- there's – only one tactical thing that I think Rafa did, is, and that's kind of the benefit of the four-two-three-one is it be, it can easily become a four-three-three. You just like condense the triangle in the midfield to be three across, and then move the two wingers up, and you're still and you can still defend in the four-two-three-one, but it can become a four-three-three in attack. And we did that for the last quarter, and uh, there was nothing to be shown from like we. I don't think. Newcastle had a shot on goal in the final 20 minutes, not that I remember. But it was in the third minute of injury time, and it was an awful pass by Mankio. And I think even a worse attempt by Cher. Oh, God. Like, just at, like absolutely lets uh, – who was it? Anderson. Just completely destroy him and runs right to the goal and slots it right through Dubrovka's legs. And I was just like, what? we haven't had anybody score these goals on us this year, and there's three of them like that. Yeah. Yeah, we, it, we got absolutely bossed, and that was the final 3-0. It was, it was not pretty. And, and there was boos at the whistle, deserved. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Some people say don't boo your team, but I, you know, I'm originally from Philadelphia, so I say boo everyone. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, hey, I'm guys- all – I'm all about booing. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Like, do you boo your your the team you support? I'm just, like, maybe to me, I as a player, I would be. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it would light a fire under me and just be like, oh dang! Like, <laughs> the people that are paying money to cheer me on are now booing me. Like, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I'd be devastated. That's my thought process, and that's probably why Philadelphia boos everything. But. <laughs> Like, what do you think? Like, do you think that's a poor reaction? And some people were booing or jeering at Perez when he got subbed off, which I probably would have done if I was there. <laughs> what, what do you um, think? <laughs> um, I, I've honestly never been in a situation where I've had to boo my team. I think all my teams have either been understandably bad or, like, really good. And there's, like, I've never been – in a moment where they're supposed to perform well and they don't. I mean, in person, per se. I mean, at home all the time. I watch the Falcons Super Bowl from home. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, if I were there, I might have booed the team. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the press thing was hilarious to me because the announcers were so clueless because he was getting all these claps and stuff as he was getting off. And the announcers were like, well, Paris is getting, you know, 
he's getting all this the, the fans are rewarding him for his hard work that he's put in today and i'm like are you guys idiots i think they're 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 clapping for him to get off the pitch because it's so, so bad i mean this guy missed three goals yeah. literally three goals uh he just did not convert um and and on that pressing i think and and i think i don't want to call it anyone but there's there are certain individuals who push this narrative that Perez is a good player because he works hard and it's it's a good thing to buy into. But hard work means nothing if it doesn't garner any results. I mean, and one, I don't think that's true. I don't think Perez works hard. I think there's games where he shows up and it looks like he's working hard. Like this game, I mean, he had three chances, but those are the only three things he did all match. Um, and, and in addition to that, it's like, that means nothing if that hard work doesn't translate into chances created or goals or goals created or, or assist or goals or anything. Like it doesn't mean anything if it's not translating to anything. It's not translating to him, you know, dispossessing guys and starting an attack. It's just him running around if he is running around and not being effective. So to call him hard working after that match was just like annoying, especially when I don't want to be the guy who beats a, a dead horse or whatever. Or I don't know the phrase. When you got a guy like Miguel Amaro who works his butt off every game and it literally turns into goals and assists like 90% of the time or him creating chances or him, you know, winning fouls for his team. Like, it's not like Perez is doing any of that. And, and I think that's like something Merza kind of alluded to is that Perez is not someone you get a lot of ambition with, you know, 100% of the time. You'll get it for, you know, some games and you'll see him try to play some ambitious stuff or work hard to chase down balls, et cetera, but it's not going to be every game. And this side needs someone in the midfield who's going to be that energetic guy who's going to chase down balls, who's going to create chances, who's going to try these passes, stuff like that. And it, it's it's definitely frustrating because, I don't know, I just don't understand this narrative that Perez is this hardworking number 10 and that's why he's playing. Like, Mito does the same stuff, creates more chances, and is equally as hardworking. And it's like, why isn't he playing? It, it's It's very annoying. I don't know. That was a little mini rant. No, that's I, I love it, and it, it's so true. Um, there's <laughs> – I don't know. Like, the, and even – I might get some slack from this, but I'll take it. But even, like, there, you look at our starting lineup, like Rondon probably, in my opinion, shouldn't be a starter in the Premier League. Um, Richie, really hard worker, would be a great super sub in the Premier League. Great super sub. Like, uh, Key – Maybe a starter. Fernandez, share, I mean, yes. Lascelles, yet let yes. He's a starter depending on the year. I think he, yeah. if you look at his career, he's actually had some really good years and then some years where he's been non existent for Swansea. So I think that's a guy who like he's nice to have. Yeah. But you know, you wouldn't mind bringing him off your bench. Kennedy, yeah, I, I could see him being a starter in the Premier League. But like and that that's it. Like we have I, th- I think we have fringe Premier League players on our team, and it's impressive that we're in the position that we're in. Because, I mean, I, I'm looking at at players across all 20 clubs, and I, I don't. I think maybe of 18 of those clubs, I'd rather have their players. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like imagine if Rafa was managing some of the players that were like this this team. If Rafa was managing West Ham, they'd be a top ten club. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's 
So it, I don't know. That's just a frustrating thing. And this shows. I mean, the winning streak gets everybody jaded, but this shows how much more is needed that we need to do. There's so much more that we need to do. Um, also, I'd like to mention that Freddie Woodman was on the bench, and so was Sean Longstaff. Yeah, thought that was wonderful. That was great to see. Um, bad news besides that we lost. Richie got his fifth yellow card, so he is not available for Everton, and we will get into that in a sec. All right, so <laughs> this is fun. I hate that we're going back to it. But, um, yeah, I made a note here that we just looked flat and sloppy in possession. Do, what do you think about that? Yes? <laughs> Might not be much more to say than, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I – so I guess from West Ham side, they they definitely they created a ton of chances relative to whatever possession they had, and Arnautovich killed us. Anderson killed us. Um, Balbuena killed us. Snodgrass killed us. Like Diop killed us. Like they were all dominant. Like I think I saw on who scored that all those. Actually, yeah. Hold on. Let me. Um, I have it already here. Yeah. All right. So yeah, Anderson. Balbuena, Snodgrass, Arnautovic, and Diop all had eight, 8.0 ratings or higher on who scored. That is like pure domination. Right? That's what she said. Yeah, that's what but she yeah. said. Yeah, she also said that West Ham stole the ball a lot. <laughs> she also said that they were pretty good at creating opportunities through those stolen possessions and transitions. And what were we good at? Long shots? <laughs> yeah, we took a lot of long shots. And, yeah. and I wouldn't even say we were good at them. They were like one of those that were like right at the keeper. Those like slow rolling long shots where like the keeper just like walks over and picks it up. Yeah. Like, that's had one that was like, why did you shoot this? It was just like on the ground, straight down the middle. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like pass the ball. Yeah, but it was... Like, I don't Yeah. Like, because if you're doing a long shot, you're, it's one of those situations where, oh, I hope it gets deflected, or I hope the keeper can't corral it and we get a tap in. But you got to put some power on it for that to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so we were just obviously very bad at finishing. We were not aggressive at all, and we were caught off sides when we seemed like we did have a chance. Um, and we went. We kind of resorted back to not playing in the middle. We resorted back to just flipping it in from the wings and just hoping Rondon could get a header on it. And we have we have Kennedy and we have some other players that can make a creative pass through the middle. But man, this is what the fifth time we mentioned him. But Miguel Almiron in the middle of this would be amazing. Yeah, it. it. I think there was a lot of people who felt the same. That was probably the most talked about name during that game outside of Perez and usually in conjunction. Like there was a lot of people like, huh, maybe this Miguel Amaron guy. Like there was a lot of people who were very curious about Miguel Amaron out of, out of, all of a sudden. So that kind of tells you the status of, of IOC Perez. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So let's go to quotes. Rafa said, we were a little bit open. You suffer. You did well enough to create and maybe score, but we didn't do it, and the second goal was very difficult for us. 
the way they did the counterattack with the pace and the quality that they had, they were very dangerous. It is very clear today, again, take your chances and don't make mistakes. Even after the first goal, we had chances. Um, and then he kind of went towards quality, which I thought was really good. And he said, they talking about West Ham, he said, they have spent money on offensive players and they made the difference. When you, when you are more open, they have, Sorry, when you are more open, they have pace and can make the difference. We're working on signing to January, but it's a question of money. What they spend, what we spend, you can see that on the pitch. And we actually saw Anderson was 40 mil, Arnautovic was 24 mil, Hernandez was 16 mil. If you compare that to, to Hasselou, Perez, Rondon, and Kennedy, West Ham spent 80 mil versus R6 mil. Yeah. Yeah. You got to love that, right? And kind of want to barf. Yeah. That's so bad. He and also... Here's, here's oh, my ahead. thing, though, is we didn't even play our most expensive players. I mean, Jojo Selvi came in for, like, it's like 13 mil or something like that. Yeah. Way, way long ago. And, uh, and Muto is 9.5 mil. And, like, we don't even have, like, we don't even play our most... our. our two biggest signings at the club right now. That's That, to me, is also a little bit concerning. Yeah, well, they're injured, too, which doesn't help. I mean, yeah. They should be recovering from the injuries, but, um, yeah. And we'll get into that also. Um, on Perez, he also mentioned Perez about the substitution incident, but he said, uh, Rafa said, he had some chances and fans were expecting he should score. It's part of the game. We created enough chances to score goals. I think we have to understand that everybody wants to win, starting with the players. Io is working really hard for the team. I like that he called him Io. Um, but yeah, when a manager says you're working hard and can't back up any, anything else <laughs> about what, what you're doing, I would say that's still a negative endorsement, but he'll start. I'm sure. Um, stats. Do you have anything on the, on that last part? I didn't want to just roll right over. If you had something waiting in the wings, just deep sigh, like deep sigh. This, this is nothing new. I mean, this has got to be like the, the third or fourth time this season, Ruff has mentioned the quality of the players. And to be fair, we haven't heard in a long time, but especially in the beginning of the, of the season when we had the run against the top six, it was just like, I mean, it would be nice to compete and people criticize my tactics, but look at what they spend, look at what we spend. And, I mean, I just remember the ridiculousness of, like, like people talking about, you know, they would be a goal scorer against us, and, they, and people would be like, the cost of this one player is more than the entire Newcastle team combined. And it's just like, I mean, yes, this is Man City. Yes, this is Man U. But, like, that is embarrassing. Yeah. That's just, like, an embarrassing statistic to, like, that people could easily point to. And the sad thing is that, like, there, there's not one team. I mean, I don't even – I can't think of a team. I mean, maybe Huddersfield and maybe Brighton that has a player on their – in their starting in their starting 11 that is, like – every team probably has a player in their starting 11 that's more expensive than anyone in our starting 11, which is, which is pretty sad. Yeah. All right, so looking at stats, this was the tied for the worst home defeat that Rafa has had as Newcastle manager. Uh, we also lost 3 nothing to Watford almost uh, right about a year ago. Um, and then looking at 538, our relegation percentage increased by 10%, but still not 
a lot compared to who's behind us. So we're at a 23% chance of getting relegated. Um, and that puts us ahead of Southampton, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Fulham, and Burnley. All have Burnley, they have Burnley as a 67% chance to get relegated. And Burnley is only three points from us. So they're not, they're not liking Burnley right now <laughs> at all. Uh, for projections for the rest of the season, they have us sitting at 38th. They had us at 40 last week. So a little drop. They kind of looked like they were expecting us to win that match, and that didn't work out that well. Yeah. So, Elijah, who's Wait, your best? You, oh. There was another stat that I saw floating around. I think it was that uh, Javier Hernandez's 47 goals in the Premier League have all come from inside the box. Interesting. Which is, yeah, a true poacher. Yeah, definitely. Which people forget he's a poacher. Yeah, they think because of his size, he's not, but that's not true. Yeah. Um, who's your best player? I mean, it, I don't even know. Um, like, I, I think everyone played. Playing two Goodison Park, it is, I think, I think I saw 1,700 Newcastle fans will be there. And it, for, as far as the injuries go, I, I, I don't know if t- Paul Dummett will be ready. Uh, I don't think I, – I think he'll be ready for Wolves. I think that's what I'm hearing is he'll be ready on Sunday for a match against Wolves, but not this coming Wednesday at Everton. Did, did you hear that too? Yeah. It, ugh. That's that's what I'm hearing. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's going to be this match as well. Yeah, and Matt Ritchie will not play because he had a one-match ban for collecting his fifth yellow card of the season against West Ham. So – uh, the next player in danger is Fabian Cher. He has three yellows, so just something to watch. Um, I, I would imagine maybe after that match, he might not, he might not be playing. Cher, <laughs> yeah. You think he'll get he'll get sent off? No, I mean I think yeah, I think he won't be on the first team in the first team. Oh, yeah. Well, I know it's a bold claim, but saying. all right. Well, let's get into it then. Um, so just a little, little drop back on Everton. So they they have, they have four straight home wins in the Prem and they've all played sides that are like around us on the table. They, they beat Fulham three, nothing. They beat Crystal Palace two, nothing. They beat Brighton three to one and Cardiff one, nothing. Uh, that's four straight wins in the premier league at home for them. We're, we would be their fifth. What do you got? Elijah? Yes. Yeah. What do you got? What's your thoughts? Lineups. Um, I'd start off by saying Everton are probably going to be pretty eager to win this one, uh, considering how they lost their last match. Um, Jordan Pickford's probably going to be on a vengeance tour, which it was just really funny that this guy made fun of uh, – jeez, uh, uh, why am I forgetting his name? The, the Liverpool Carius. It was like, I'll never make a blunder like Carius did, and then proceeds to make a blunder like Carius did. Um, to end. <laughs> no, did you say Carius or Ederson? I don't know. It just it, don't make fun of people. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like, it never ends well if you're going to make fun. Like, I don't know. It was dumb. Um, but, but yeah, that happened. Uh, but, I mean, you said LaSalle's isn't going to be back, right? 
I I don't think so. I, so. I don't know though. I I think it might be Clark and Fernandez because I think Cher had probably one of the worst games of of his career. Um, all the balls that were kind of played through um, were all like in his general vicinity. So it's just kind of like he should have been there to it at a minimum be tracking that runner because they were not. It wasn't like these guys were you know playing out wide. They were making these runs up to the middle and splitting our center backs. And it was like Fernandez was obviously going towards the individual who had the ball and. Clark and not Clark Share should have been covering that runner a little better. I mean, and maybe he's just too slow, but I don't know. I think Clark could get a start. Fernandez is probably going to start. I think we'll see much of the same. Um, I think, I mean, I, I'm hoping Shelby may be healthy enough to play the full 90, but I wouldn't count on it. I, I, I just, I wish that in an ideal world, you have Shelby and DMA starting. Rafa seems like he's going to start IO as we're calling him now, because uh, he's oh, impressed with hurt. his work ethic. hurt. That just hurt my ears. I yeah. can't do it. <laughs> oh, you better get used to it. That's going to be the name of this podcast, the I'm one where we talk about AO. 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 And uh, I think Rondon will still start. I mean, like, I think Rafa's more in love with Rondon than he is with Hoslu, which it's not saying much, but there was like an unnatural obsession with Hoslu for a while, and I think that's finally ended. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> We'll see the same. I think Everton, they're just – you talk about quality. That's that's a sign of just – a side of just when spent a bajillion dollars on an unproven Brazilian, and it worked out for them. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't have the ambition to spend $8 million on a left back who played for the Argentine national team in the World Cup, who yeah. has since been killing it in the, in the, in the Champions League. Um let alone have the ambition to spend money on a on a young player like of that 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 hasn't really been proven I guess per se I don't know it's just uh, it's not going to be pretty that's all I'm going to say about that yeah it's not at all um so it, I don't know so there's one one thing that's positive on the on our front that I think could help is that Marco Silva might not play. I mean, so sorry. So there's no, there's no injury concerns really. So Marco Silva has been, I guess what they're thinking is they're going to try to freshen things up and start Lookman Mm -hmm. and Kurt Zuma. If like, if, if Silva rests, like, Mina or Michael Keane, Kurt Zuma could play. They're, I mean, they're already – I think it's funny when they're talking about, like, resting players when they play Newcastle. <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's, it's messed up, funny. but it's – Yeah, I mean, I think it's funnier that it's like – like, Kurt Zuma's a guy who'd want in our team. It's like, oh, yeah, the, the, the backup they're bringing is still arguably would, would fight for a first-team spot on your own yeah. team, even given the depth of our center backs. He would still be a guy that's like, huh? I, hey, it wouldn't be mad if he was starting. So I don't know. It's, ugh. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know. It's just what I know for sure is it's not going to look good. Um, and I'll get into that now. Some stats for you. Um, Ever, well, Everton they do the same thing. West West Ham they steal the ball a lot and they score a lot of set piece goals too. 
two things that we're weak at. <laughs> so a little bit of the opposite of West Ham as far as what I said last week, but here it is. So we have not done well against Everton. We have failed to score in our last five matches against Everton. And we've, Everton has beaten us eight of the last nine times. And they haven't lost to us at home since 2010. So nothing is going in our favor here. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to start off our prediction. I'm going to say it's going to be 2-0 Everton. I'm going 3-0 Everton. And I think that this, I think it sets up an interesting storyline for Wolves this weekend. I think there was a lot of debate over to whether the the walk-in was not a success because the team was playing well or if it was not a success because the Magpie group had pissed people off with whatever happened the last time they had, they organized a protest, that whole debacle. But this boycott, I mean, we'll kind of see what happens. Like, I mean, if we beat Everton, I don't think this boycott will happen because that's, that's a very good, ambitious win, and it makes you feel good about playing Wolves. If we lose to Everton, if we lose badly, I don't know what happens. I, I mean, I would be very curious to see what happens. We can talk about this on the next pod, but it's just the Magpie group is, is losing some steam. Um, but and, and, I mean, this untimely announcement of Mike Ashley's on the club doesn't bode well for them since the majority of people think their goal is just to get Ashley out of the club. But I don't know. It's just it seems, it seems like an interesting time to be a part of the Magpie group. Um, and this boycott has kind of been the highlight of what they've been pushing. And for so long, it, some people were against it, some people were for it. But as the team has been successful, it's gotten more divisive and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that we're going to lose 3-0. And I think that the boycott, I don't know if it'll happen or not, but I think that it'll be a lot of discussion, more discussion than if we tied or, or won around this boycott uh, you know, as we get closer to it. Yeah, I think that's inherent, right? The more uh, or the worse we perform, the better chances that we're going to get a higher turnout in the boycotts, and the better we do. I, I bet it diminishes it. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Um, so I definitely see that happening. I'm not going to hope for a loss in in hopes that the boycott does well. But I, we said this before. I mean, if you watch the Wolves match, and there is say there's four thousand people. Just say it like there, that's going to be a significant boycott, in my opinion, because you're going to see empty seats at St. James's Park, which is wild. But I mean, it, uh, if it's I, I, 500, I don't think it's going to be. And I think the damage that was a good gate. Like the walk-in was a good gauge for the boycott because it's like they weren't asking people to not come to the match. They were like, "Hey, just stand out, just stand and come a little bit later." And yeah. people were still not doing that. They were still like. St. James was still like half full with 45 minutes left to go until kickoff. And it was like, dude, this is not working out for you. And it's like, all you're doing is ask people to come later. Yeah. And so lo and behold, getting them to not come, it just, it doesn't seem like it's going to go well. But I, I mean, if, if something drastic happens, like we get pummeled like six nil or something, then yeah, I, I mean, I could see like 4,000 people being like, F this, we need to send a message, like invest in the club in January or something like that. Yeah. All right, you got, you got anything else on this? No. All right, we are going to move to your questions, sponsored by Fubo TV. Elijah, you love sports. I, I do. 
I'm, they might call me a sport management major. Yeah. Because I'm so interested in sports. If you love sports, where would you go watch your sports? I mean, uh, you know, probably on a platform that's convenient that I can access at kind of any point, anytime, anywhere. Maybe something called like Fubo TV. Oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. Fubo TV, awesome, awesome site, especially if you're looking for sports. And, and it started at, with soccer, but now it's everywhere. So pretty cool stuff because you get to click on a link that's going to be released with our podcast and you get to sign up. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats on the win for your life. Now, your questions. <laughs> we got one question, I believe, and it is from the GOAT, the official questionnaire of CHN Radio. Trevor Mooney. Trevor, uh, <laughs> he targeted me in this, in this one. <laughs> he posted a picture of me that he's been saving on his phone, I'm assuming, of me in an ice bar in Las Vegas. By the way, I'm moving there in 10 days. And I got a fur, fur coat on. It's a iconic picture, quite frankly. But Trevor said, um, this infamous image embodies everything I could ever desire in a new owner. Confidence, deep pockets, swagger, ambition, and cold as ice in negotiations. What famous picture or image embodies what you want in a new owner? Um, uh, thank, thank you, um, Trevor. I, I appreciate your nomination. Uh, but like I say, you know, if you have deep pockets, it's because you're you don't you don't spend a lot. So I'm I'm out on the owner uh, negotiations. So unfortunately, yeah, news to break. <laughs> Breaking news: Greg yeah. talks on not buying Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, um, I think in any image of Robert Kraft standing with all the Lombardi trophies and all the rings. That's what I want in order. Oh, Champion. that's trophies, rings, all of it. I want it all. Okay. Um, the picture I chose is Jeff Bezo- Bezos's LinkedIn profile picture. Oh, nice. Because that's who I want to be our owner. <laughs> New kit and, sponsor. Um, yeah. I would love to see a kit sponsored by Amazon because uh, just a quick search here. Jeff Bezos' net worth is in total of $139.5 billion. Mm. Yep. Yeah. More than Bill Gates, more than Elon Musk, more than Mark Zuckerberg, double, more than double all of them but Bill Gates. I think it maybe is that almost, more than Mike almost, Ashley? he has he probably actually i think it's a hundred times more money than mike ashley i think he might have make a hundred times more money yeah actually probably yeah yeah (laughs) i think it is um he almost tripled the network net worth of mark zuckerberg so come on jeff we need you we need you bud (laughs) Like, literally, you can take 1% of your net worth and give it to Newcastle and we'll be set. Yeah. It will be, that would be $1.4 billion. Just give it to Newcastle. And we'll have awesome transfer budgets. We'll have a new, new facilities everywhere. Like, just, just do that. 
1%. That's all I'm asking. Give to the less fortunate. That's what we're saying. Yeah. I love it. So that would be my picture is Jeff. (laughs) It's a good one. (laughs) All right. So do you have anything else? Um, I mean, there's the random rumor about Dubrovka, you know, Juventus. Oh, we forgot to mention that. Yeah, tell, tell the people. Juventus are looking at Dubrovka. Um, and, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, he look at his goals against the top six, and that's the kind of competition Juventus would be playing against. But um, they, they've had Mattia Perrin, and he hasn't been great. And uh, so – they're looking for a backup keeper. I don't know if and uh, if uh, and Dubrovka wants. No, Buffon's at PSG. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, Buffon's at PSG. Yeah. I don't know if Dubrovka wants to be a backup, and I don't really know if this is really like a. You know, I think Dubrovka is happy to retire now. He's made it at a big, big time club in the league. If he could retire right now, he probably would. I don't know, but if Juventus comes calling, I don't know if you're 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 saying no to that because that's like almost instant Champions League. Uh, like, hey, I could be a Champions League winner because they have this guy named Cristiano Ronaldo who is arguably the best player in the world. So, um, but yeah, I mean, oh, wait, not this year because uh, Luka Modric won the Balloon d'Or. So congrats to him. Newcastle target, Luka Modric. Yeah, former, former Newcastle target extraordinaire, Luka. But he's too small for the Prem, which is why he won the Balloon d'Or. Because if he's in the prem, obviously, you know, it wouldn't work out for him. Yeah. 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 There's I mean, some guys he, in the prem who are small who, who suck, like Raheem Sterling. Yeah, and I owe I would hate to have that guy. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Um, oh, if Man City, just if they would just I mean, sell us Raheem Sterling. Did, just... did Luka Modric win the Balloon d'Or when he was in the prem? No, I don't think so. so. Yeah. Jeez. Hey, but, but to be fair, neither did Ronaldo or Messi. Yeah. Well, Messi's too small. I don't think there there actually hasn't been a balloon d'Or winner from in the Premier League. I think. Well, wait like, till Elias Sorensen gets called up. Yeah, so <laughs> it could be Elias Sorensen. It could be Miguel Amaron. Who knows? Yeah, it could. Yeah, I guess. Right, oh, so the I, other big I've, news. Oh yeah, go ahead. Other big news. Uh, our friend friend of the pod Warren Barton quote tweeted a uh, 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 like a tweet about uh, Arthur Blank taking over uh, Newcastle and. Put the little clapping emoji. Oh, so. we'll have to ask him about that. Hmm. Just that's just like one of those. Hmm. What does Warren know? Because Warren's a guy who's very involved in American soccer. Yeah. Just, just the hmm. And if maybe. you don't remember or never heard his thoughts on what he thought about Newcastle and Mike Ashley selling, you can listen to our episode where we interviewed Warren Barton, which is amazing. And we asked him about American owners. I believe. Mm-hmm. I think we so. did. We yeah. did. So hmm. hmm. Just. All right, now, a quick, quick hypothetical for you. Say Dubrovka goes to Juventus. Mm-hmm. Zach Steffen to Newcastle? I'd be pretty shocked. Um, so, if you, if you guys don't know, Zach Steffen is – we talked about him on this very briefly, but he is a USA probably future number one, but probably is really close to being number one right now. Yeah. I, I would say he is. He's the number one, but it's kind um, of bizarre – because Braguzan is still really good. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, we got to move on to Stefan. I'm like, Braguzan's still Bra- like... Braguzan's only good on American soil, which only helps us half the time. Oh, that's fair. 
I, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, and so Stefan has been linked with Man City somewhere in the in the range of seven to ten mil um, on a transfer fee because they may need a backup keeper. So would you want that to happen? It's just completely hypothetical. I'm not saying it it will or any of that would happen. If 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 Dubrovka goes to Juventus and we sign Stefan. Uh, yes, I I don't know. I mean, Stefan, I don't know. US keepers have typically done decent in in English football. And he's been I would just say he's been put he's been thrown into the fire as the number 1 for US um because the US for some reason and by the way, congrats to the United States on hiring Greg Berhalter. This was a move that took 13 months to materialize, and it should have been done 13 months ago. But anyway, um, he's a guy who, like, because the U.S. just for some reason decided to schedule this, like, redemption tour against, like, all these really good European and, and, and like, Latin American teams, uh, he's just been thrown into the fire and had to, like, go up against, like, Neymar, England, Italy, blah, blah, blah. So he's, like, seen – the best that he's seen some of the best uh, talent in the world, you know, just hammering balls and shots in his direction. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he does well, but I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't, this, I wouldn't hate it. something to, I don't know, something to stir the pot. It, it probably chance of happening, probably 0.006%. Yeah. Uh, due to my calculations. But other than that, that wait, thing, Oh, breaking news, dude. Breaking news. Oh my gosh. What's the Daily breaking? Telegraph are reporting, and I mean it is a telegraph, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, throw everything in that in that basket. They're they're reporting a Turkish consortium is in talks to buy Newcastle, and a multi-billionaire not from the USA has made an acceptable offer. That's not breaking news if it happened four hours ago. Well, mm, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's breaking news because we didn't. Well, we yeah, didn't we, did, we didn't say it. that. We didn't say that, yeah. Uh, that so, was the, that was we're the, breaking it on our pod. Was it Luke, the writer? Luke Edwards? Luke Edwards, yeah. So he, he mentioned after this one quick bit, and then we'll let you guys go. Um, like, we're, like it's a class, like we're holding you in. Uh, <laughs> you can just uh, turn Luke this off right now. <laughs> he didn't – he withheld some, some takeover information because it's been kind of scoffed at. It's like, yeah, whatever, like – yeah, we're not going to sell the club with Ashley here. He's not going to do it. So he didn't – he said that – it's funny that Ashley said that because I had some information last week about it. And so I, that's something I would recommend because he just wrote an article with all the information he had since it, since Ashley had put it out there. Uh, it seems a little bit more believable now for him. But, yeah, that's the information he had, Turkish consortium and a billionaire, not a multi-billionaire not from the U.S. Jeff, Jeff, come on, man. Yeah, but hey, I'll, we can leave people with this quote from Chris Holt. Uh, watch the video of Mike Ashley, and you'll you'll see the giveaway that Ashley's lying. The giveaway his is his lips are moving. So ah uh, yeah yeah that, that's <laughs> classic banter. Yeah, so let's see what what happens. I, I will tell you what. Get ready for an emergency podcast if anything does happen of any offer acceptance or anything. It's going to come in hot. And uh, other than that, that concludes episode 22. Dos a dos. I don't know if that's true at all. But 2-2 of CHN Radio. Definitely the best podcast in the world. This is the best episode in the world. And we're the best hosts in the world. 
And I'll leave you with Blade and Races and Hawaii the Lats. Thank <laughs> you.